0: Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. My co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams and I are recording this show on Wednesday, September 8th, 2021, and this episode, the 98th. One, that Aaron and I will have recorded together since Marvelous Disney debuted back in October 2017.
1: Hooray, congratulations. Do we hand out the cake now?
0: Well, I feel like kind of an idiot that we picked this show to launch the weekly version of the show. We couldn't wait two weeks, and that would have been the big surprise for the 100th episode
1: that, you know, hey, we're going weekly.
0: What are we doing special for the show?
1: I I think we should just put out the word right now. All of our mud listeners, go out, buy yourself some Hostess cupcakes. (laughs) Come back in two weeks. We're going to put a candle in it. Everyone gets to blow out their own candle and have their own piece of cake. Um, And then we can say, aha, for our 100th episode, let them eat cake. Oh, okay. All right.
0: (laughs) Do they still make the chocodile? Have you ever did
1: you ever? Ooh, ex- yeah, no, I'm familiar with the Chocodile. I haven't seen one in uh, almost a Zendaya now Well, there we go.
0: So for those of you not familiar, what was it? The Chocodile was a Twinkie d- Dipped in chocolate,
1: wasn't it? Uh, something like that. Yeah, it was it was long and, and full of cream and, and Covered in chocolate, but I don't remember. Was it a chocolate cake or a vanilla cake? I want to say it was a vanilla cake. Welcome to Marvelous Disney, where we talk about Hostess (laughs) Twinkies, cupcakes, and other sugary snacks. Not like there's any really news to talk about this week. (laughs) No, no. Not like a
0: giant film just opened was hugely successful, like Shang-Chi. By the way, we'll be talking about this on the latter part of today's show. Now, I will say that Nancy and I did go out and see Shang-Chi. This film did amazing business over the long Labor Day weekend. In fact, it took in $94 million, which is the largest amount, I guess, to date, that a film was taken in over Labor Day. But Nancy and I went and saw it Tuesday afternoon. We drove up to Concord, New Hampshire, and did the four o'clock show in the afternoon, Walked up to the counter of the theater, and are are there seats available? It's like, oh, yes, sir. There are (laughs) so many seats available. We were the only two people in the theater until just before uh, the trailer started running. And then two other... Gentlemen came in and evidently were new to the whole Marvel phenomenon because the credits oh, rolled and and they left and it was one of these things. <laughs> Are you kidding? Have you never been to a Marvel movie?
1: Okay, stop right there. No, Jim. Over the years, yep. have have you also noticed, like during Iron Man, the very first one, everybody got up and left as soon as the credits started rolling. And then over the years you started seeing more people like hey wait wait there's usually mm. something after the credits a little bit and more people started to stay and now like everybody is trained if you're at a Marvel movie about 75% of the audience does not get out of that seat because they're waiting for their after or mid credit button
0: and I will tell you the lights came up halfway through the the credits and I look back and there was this poor kid in, in the the Regal who was looking at us like, you know, <laughs> <he's>, <laughs> I just yeah, want to go home. No, sweep they, the popcorn. They, they move to my next interview. No, you're going to make me stand here for the full. And honestly, I don't think Endgame had credits that were as long as the credits for Shang-Chi. This time around, the credits went on forever before we finally got. Uh, You know, there was a mid-credit scene, and then there was the end-credit scene. But we'll talk about that on the second half of today's show.
1: And without without jumping in, without have seen the the movie, I am willing to bet most of those credits are probably stunt choreographers for uh, most kick-ass martial arts we've seen yet in a Marvel movie. And I want to just point that out by contrast. Just in the advertising alone, the martial arts looks a thousand times better than anything we ever got from Iron Fist. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to put that soapbox off to the side. Shame on you, Iron Fist. Haraj Shang-Chi. Moving on.
0: Okay. So... But again, we're recording this on a Wednesday because the most recent What If just dropped. And in fact, since we've we've last recorded a new show, we had two episodes of, of What If drop. We had What If Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands. That was last Wednesday, and today we got the very intense and bleak but often weirdly hopeful and funny Zombies. Did you have a favorite of these two, Aaron?
1: I really had more like fun with the zombies because there were more laughs involved. Mm-hmm. But I did really enjoy Doctor Strange for how dark it went. I love that they had a very bleak, dark, bad mm-hmm. ending for the hero where not everything goes according to plan and nothing goes according to plan.
0: Yeah. I have to admit that was one of the things that really appealed to me as well. In fact, mm-hmm. a friend of the show bio reconstruct reached out via Twitter to describe this an interesting exploration of grief but at the same time doctor strange is a surgeon he's got to have dealt with people who who've died before but the fact that it was christine that you know, the thing that oh.
1: that bugged me about the episode is they actually used the time machine mm-hmm. gag of you can't undo this moment because it is her loss that sends you down this path. Like That was the whole crux of why the hero in the time machine couldn't win, couldn't get his love back. It mm-hmm. was her death that caused him to build the time machine. If she wouldn't have died, he wouldn't have built the machine. Therefore, he couldn't go back to save her because she'd still be alive. So mm-hmm. the fact that that was so nakedly ripped off mm-hmm. from the time machine, I was like, oh, wow, that's kind of like are they really just at a time constraint where they just need the quickest way of saying this is why you can't or did was someone out there to go you know we've almost ripped off an entire movie verbatim <laughs> right here at the climax are you guys aware of that have you seen have you watched any movies in the last 30 years
0: if we're being completely fair here, in fact one of my favorite moments out of Endgame is when they're explaining their version of time travel and then they name drop how many time travel related movies. You saw Back to the Future, you saw you know, Time Cop. You know how this works. But if you think about that sequence, or that chunk of this episode or whatever, it does speed up. The yeah. fact that you know whatever he's trying to do doesn't work, doesn't work. And it just sort of nail home that story point. That's what brings us to the Ancient One stepping into the tale. And that's the other thing that I, I have to admit, totally impressed me about this particular episode. When you think about... They basically got all of the leads for the original Doctor Strange movie to come back. I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch,
1: Rachel McAdams, Tilda Swinton, and Benedict Wong. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that all of the actors, uh, because, again, we get Chadwick Boseman in Episode 5 with the zombies.
0: Yeah. And I've got
1: that feeling that when they brought him in, he recorded all the episodes in one batch, right? So if we didn't get Chris Evans in Mm -hmm. Episode 1 when it was Carter, Mm -hmm. we're not going to get Chris Evans ever because he didn't come in to record Jack. So if we if we got him in previous episodes like Mark Ruffalo, now that we've Mm -hmm. heard Mark Ruffalo's voice, I wouldn't be surprised that he shows up for a scene because in some of these episodes, these guys only have three or four lines. So what's the difference between, you know, you keeping him in studio for 10 minutes or 20 minutes to get three episodes right now? Speaking of which, though, I just wanted to run something by you and and, and
0: get your thoughts on this. Think about this. When we had, was it episode two where we had, what if T'Challa was, Star-Lord. was a Star-Lord? Yeah. Disney and Marvel played up the fact that this, your, your, your last performance by Chadwick Bozeman as Black Panther and, or, you know, the, the, in the Marvel universe. And we clearly discovered today that wasn't the case, that Chadwick had also done this.
1: And I, well, the whole, <laughs> there's, I think there's a really good reason for that. Two reasons, actually. Uh, first... What if T'Challa was Star Lord? Mm-hmm. Really features him as the lead character of that Certainly. piece, so that's Certainly. that's him yep. leading throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I would not want to mention the second one because Vision was cutting him up by bits to feed to Wanda, and that is just morbidly gross for someone who's just passed in the not too distant, you know, past. Right to no, be using not. them as as snack. For your lady is just no, Ugh. no. I, Ugh. I, I, Ugh. Look, you
0: are you are not wrong. I completely understand it. I but would not same- be blowing
1: that trumpet at all if yeah. I were Disney. The- <laughs>
0: but if we can just to, to divert back to Doctor Strange loses his heart thing, the moment I thought was especially fascinating. There was this, this little moment in the middle where after Strange has been acquiring souls, acquiring abilities, you know, building his strength and that weird little moment like who's there, you know, that that he becomes aware of the Watcher, which then sets up that wonderful moment at the end. Here he's done all of this to try to save Christine, and she's horrified by his appearance, and at the same time, the world is collapsing in on itself. And the fact that here's Strange appealing to the Watcher, you know, to the effect of, help me, help her. And it's like, I can't. This is what I do. And to have the universe collapse down to a singularity, a gem, and it's like, I think, again, it was it was reconstruct Reconstructor pointed out, it's like, is this one of these loose gems that we saw, you know, in a draw at the TVA? right so enjoyed that episode and i think we previously talked about my issues with zombies Right. So, did you even watch the episode?
1: I mean, how'd you fare through that?
0: I did. I did. And again, I I enjoy the Scott Lang dad jokes or or for for that matter, how many times did the cloak step in to save people? Well, Um, but
1: I mean, the way that it levitated Scott's head in a jar, it (sighs) reminded me of a Futurama gag. I was waiting for him to drop in some (laughs) fish food flakes and have him start doing the -mm 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 sound. And then I think when Hope, Van Dyne uh, mm-hmm. gets pissed off that she lost the quad jet and throws a zombie at it, and you
2: mm-hmm.
1: hear the. Ah! <laughs> <from> the zombie! <laughs> I laughed so hard. That was. I was just applauding the sound mix right there of that and Doppler effect of that scream coming in. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was no, really I mean, well done.
0: I, oh, oh uh, something else worth pointing out about this particular episode of What If? Evidently, it's the very first time in the MCU version. Of Spider Man, that Uncle Ben gets acknowledged. But yeah, I, I enjoyed it though, just to get to that, that dark, dark, and I, you know, just that whole thing of we're almost there, we're gonna be there, we have the technology, and it says,
1: oh, yes, yeah, but a, a zombie. Th- Thanos. Ugh. that ending, the the way that it ended really felt like I had the rug pulled out from under me because I was expecting more story to happen for like another five minutes. And they're, and they're like, and then Thanos was there, and he had his gauntlet with all the gems at the end. And I was like, really? That's yeah. it. We're we're ending like that. okay. It's totally legit. It's what if, man, these stories can't go on forever. They have to start, they have to sprint. And then mm-hmm. they cross the finish line and boom, there's no, after the cross the finish line, there's nothing left to do. There's no, you're done. So mm. uh, yeah, I mean, once once they showed Thanos, I guess that was the finish line and you really didn't need to do any more. Just go, yep, you're all screwed. I can imagine <laughs> how well that went down. Uh, okay. So
0: this is episode five. So we are now officially halfway through season one of Marvel's What If. Five more episodes ago, 10th episode, last one of season one, is supposed to drop on Wednesday, October 13th. And I've heard from friends at Disney and Marvel that evidently what's kind of cool about that particular episode is it does a lot of callbacks to the first nine. Okay, cool. It's kind of a a funhouse Mirror version of the Marvel's Avenger from 2012, but with a lot of stuff we've seen to date. So let's see if that rumor pays off. And speaking of paying, the news portion of today's show is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, just want to touch base on the couple of stories we talked about on the last show. Remember how we were uh, were talking about how Black Panther 2 was shooting in Massachusetts? They were shooting on the the campus of MIT, and then they were going to do five days worth of shooting in Worcester, Massachusetts, a city in the the, uh, middle of uh,
1: uh, the state. No, I've heard of like Toronto doubling for New York and like that, but (laughs) that's really a weird choice to double for Wakanda. Yoko thought, you know, maybe they'd get a Starbucks, but all of Boston? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, did you see literally, you know, that a day after
0: we recorded the show, there was an accident on the set that Leticia Wright was uh, briefly hospitalized uh, with some minor injuries that supposedly there was an accident with a stunt rig on set. Uh, mind you... These were so minor. She did return to work the next
1: day, and they, they proceeded. But was the stunt rigor there still employed? Because I'm certain that everybody on that set feels very sensitive right now, mm-hmm. like vulnerable, you know. And if one of the, like the sister of the the star of the movie, or you know, character's sister. And she could be a very, very big, important role. And all of a sudden she gets hurt and just has to go to the hospital, to get checked out. I'm sure like there was someone that went over to the person who rigged the stunt there and went, <clears throat> you want to work the rest of this day? Tell me what the <laughs> hell happened. Right. And, mm. and is this ever going to happen again? Prove that this is never going to happen again. All of these people are worth their weight in gold. We can't afford to have them injured and offset and blah, blah, blah. Especially now, when you don't have your lead actor anymore, and, and they've still been kind of hushed on how they're handling all that. But
0: They they have, they have, but I, I, I'm trying not to read between the lines the fact that, you know, here was Letitia Wright, you know, doing stunts.
1: Yeah, why would you have to do a stunt unless you was, you know, doing an action scene? And why would you be doing an action scene unless you was... Mm-hmm. There we go! Right. Okay. Uh, but no, <laughs> to be fair, though, all of the girls in Wakanda know how to kick ass since they was little girls, right? I mean, there is not a one of those girls that couldn't throw us down and beat the snot out of us without even blinking. So uh, This is true. Yeah. This is true. Okay, now, seeing as
0: this is the carefully threaded threading the needle portion of the show, do we talk? at all about the Andrew Garfield Reddit thing? What do you think?
1: The fact that he's been photographed in suit. Look, I, I've got a very solid explanation for it. He was he was showing up to give moral support to Tom Holland because he figured, you know, this poor kid has only been doing two of these movies, right? And uh, Andrew Garfield knows what it's like to do at least two Spider-Man movies. And he's like, this third one, I don't know how it could go, man. I lost my job on the third one. So he put on his Spider-Man suit and went, Tom, I'm here to back you up, bro. I'm not in the movie. I'm just here to let you know that I've got your back. And uh, someone took a picture of that and they put it out and they say that's evidence quote-unquote big air quotes on that evidence that uh, andrew garfield is in the movie no no that's that's not how it is that's not how it is at all and i'm not okay. eating a crow sandwich in a couple of months so stop asking about my baguette okay okay <laughs> I, I i i i will consider the matter closed then do we have more news behind that? Obviously, what I said is all BS. But there is a photograph, right? And then Sony said, uh, "Take that down." They they took made, they made someone take it down under copyright laws, which means if that's the case, well, then it must be real, right?
0: Yeah. But at the same time, you were pointing out that here's. Andrew Garfield you know in fact he's he, is it the eyes of Tammy Faye that, that he's playing Jim Baker in Yeah, that that's coming out next week and he's out mm-hmm. doing publicity for that and, and as part of publicity for the film it's like look I don't know what you're talking about I mean I actually read an interview with him earlier today it's like you know I realize it's going to be released in two months now but you know if I were going to be in the movie I think I would have gotten a call by now <laughs> I, I don't know I'm now veering into just enjoying this You know, well just we've,
1: we've never i known anyone who's ever been in a Marvel movie to lie about their involvement with a movie before it came out. So if he says that he's not involved, it must be gospel. That's all I'm going to say, because Tammy Faye and, and Jim Baker gospel. That's how I connect those. Okay, wow, okay, the triple award score there Okay, circling back on another story
0: we talked about The whole uh, Scarlett Johansson situation oh, and we've
1: got a music bed for this, hold on, here we go, news intro Spanning the globe to bring you the latest, most up-to-date coverage This is Scarlet Watch Oh, that's lovely, alright, go ahead <laughs> Okay
0: Previous show we talked about how there had initially been some talk about how Emma Stone, the star of Cruella, and likewise Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt, stars of Jungle Cruise, would be coming in on what Scarlett was doing with the Walt Disney Company because their films had also been impacted by Disney's decision to decide, okay, they, you know, we're going to put it out theatrically, but we're also going to do this Disney Plus premium access thing. A lot of folks are now pointing to the fact, well, Emma Stone signed for Corolla, too. So, But it was Matt Bologna with his great new online newsletter, What I'm Hearing, and he talked about how Disney made a sizable make-good payment to Ms. Stone, you know, to sort of smooth over any issues with the box office, and and he had some interesting news about the Jungle Cruise, the announcement of the, that they were going to be doing a sequel. This is a direct quote from the newsletter. Disney announced a Jungle Cruise follow-up this week that was set to reunite Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt. One small hurdle, neither star has a deal. This isn't unusual. Big actors often let it be known they're on board so development can proceed while contracts are being negotiated. But as with all things Disney, this is complicated. I'm being told that Johnson & Blunt want some extra cash to compensate for the first Jungle Cruise debuting day and date on Disney+, Plus, thus diminishing box office. And he goes on to say, in the wake of the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit over Black Widow, Emma Stone asked for and got that make good money on Cruella as part of a deal for a sequel, so why shouldn't Johnson & Blunt? You have to understand, the folks at Disney just want the story to go away. But here's Benedict Cumberbatch, who's now out doing publicity for his new movie, Power of the Dog. And so, of course, he's a Marvel star. He gets asked about this, and he goes on to say, well, it's sad what's going on between the lawyers, just the verbiage and the accusations. And But at the same time, we're trying to understand what the revenue stream should be for artists that contribute to the billion-dollar business that is Disney. And it's a new paradigm and a complex one. And Black Widow was the first of these Marvel movies that was going to get a cinematic release during the pandemic and then got stalled and stalled and stalled. It's very new territory. And the fact that Cumberbatch is going to be front and center for Marvel Studios for the next seven months or so, because we've got Spider-Man No Way Home being released to theaters in December of this year. And then Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Bandits coming out in March. And it's not a great thing for Bob Chapek to have yet another Marvel star talking about this. And especially with Matt Maloney basically stating that Disney bought Emma Stone and Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson's silence by piling up money that if they'd given that money to Scarlett Johansson... None of this bad publicity would have happened.
1: And Right, we're being sued. Let's call the Brinks team and then you go you fill them up with money and you send them to three different houses. Not the lawsuit, three different ones. And and you go, are we good on our future deals because this one over here is squawking and we're going to go we're, because I can't just give you money cuz you asked for it. If you asked mm-hmm. for it, then I I got to say no. It's you're not entitled to any of that. Now I got to fight you in court cuz that's how business do. It's just so ugly and stupid that. Just slight tangent question: mm-hmm. Watching the behind the um, amusement or attractions on Disney Plus, right? There's a producer credit for Dwayne Johnson. Is that the same Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Absolutely. This is okay. You know, so that's he's one of his projects. Yeah. So he is neck deep right now in Disney involvement whether it be acting forum or executive producing other stuff mm-hmm. they've got a working contract I can see them wanting to grease that wheel a little bit more to keep it turning freely, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that explains the rock, and obviously Emily Blunt is you can't can't do a sequel to Jungle Cruise because that's like salt and pepper. You got to have the matching set, so pony mm-hmm. up cash for her, mm-hmm. and then obviously Emma was for what Cruella 2, right? Yeah, right. You know, and and by the way, Cruella uh, one
0: uh, surprisingly entertaining. Like fin- finally watched it last week. There about.
1: But Scarlett Johansson, didn't she also have uh, another, f- like so far, everyone's got an upcoming project along with Disney besides us. Didn't Scarlett also have something? Obviously, she's not going to be playing Black Widow anymore in the Marvel universe, but she was attached to uh, the Haunted Mansion, wasn't it? Well, actually, the, the Tower of Terror. That's movie. right. Tower, Tower of Terror.
0: I'm sorry. I got and I am, I am not at liberty to reveal who was going to direct this. But our good friend, Drew Taylor, clued me in. And it is somebody that people in the Marvel Universe already love. You know, and it's the combination of the two would have made a killer film. Oh, the Russo brothers, huh? Well, no, actually, and it's interesting that you bring up the Russo brothers because they were evidently in the middle of negotiations with Disney to come back and to direct a new Marvel movie, but they then found out about Disney's dealings with Scarlet. As a result, right now, the negotiations for this next film to bring the Russos back is at an impasse because it's frankly, mm. well, it's like, well, what happens if... Our movie has to go sent out through Disney Plus and it, it, we don't get what we were promised for the box office. What happens there? And so it's like when you look at the money that Endgame made, when you look at the money that Infinity War made and the notion of because you pick this stupid fight with Scarlet, this is what it's costing you. But the cherry on the Sunday was a story that bubbled up today. In fact, on the heels of all of this bad press and, and things like the Russo brothers refusing to come back to Disney until the Scarlet issue gets resolved. Supposedly, the board has suggested that someone begin to help Bob Chapek when it comes to the dealings with talent. The the (laughs) rumor that's making the rounds right now is Peter Rice, who is the Disney's chairman of general entertainment content. They've asked him to sort of step in. Because Rice was previously the president of twentieth century uh, excuse me, twenty first century Fox. He literally dealt day in, day out with A
1: listers. And the I was hope gonna is- say, what's wrong with Kathleen Kennedy? Isn't she leaving her position and she's got nothing going on, right? Bring her in. <laughs> Feige ain't got nothing on his plate. That MCU practically runs itself by now. I'm sure he could probably be an in-between between some actors and, and Mr. Chapek.
0: Yeah, that ain't happening. Yeah, it's, so it's going to be interesting to see how much of this gets out. But this is not a good time for Mr. Chabag. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's the, the weekend after Shang-Chi made $94 million during a time when nothing is making any money at movie theaters.
1: You know what, Jim, you can say what you want, but I'm just going to say, I'm I'm just going to throw this out here uh, to to Mr. Chapek with all due respect. Having CEO as the Disney company looks great on a resume, so Mm -hmm. if you're looking for future jobs in the relative future, you put that little thing right on top. You gloss it up and go, hey, uh, CEO of Disney, not too shabby, huh? I'm sure somebody will pick you up as long as you don't have to deal with actors. You'll be fine. Good luck. (laughs) Okay, but what's true? This Week
0: in Hollywood may not be true next week. Case in point, last week, Paramount Pictures makes the difficult decision to move Top Gun Maverick from its previously announced November 19th release date to Memorial Day weekend next year. That's Friday, May 27th, 2022. Shang-Chi and and The Legend of the Ten Rings comes out this weekend, does crazy business. So what does Columbia Pictures do? They actually decide to push up the release date of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, by two weeks. So it goes from an October 15th release date to an October 1st release date. Mm -hmm. There's a famous William Goldman quote. He's the guy who wrote uh, Princess Bride, also won two Academy Awards for screenplays. He said when it comes to Hollywood, nobody knows anything. Not one person in the entire motion picture field knows for certainty what's going to work. Every time out, it's a guess. And if you're lucky, it's an educated one.
1: One thing I would say that is beneficial for everybody involved by moving Venom forward Mm -hmm. is when things like Top Gun get moved to next year, it sends a really poor message to the general public about the safety of a movie theater true it's sending a message uh why why would you move it well it's delta variant you could get <laughs> sick so you're saying uh, movie theater's a movie theater is now a not a safe space and it's like well maybe not i mean jim you only had two other people in your theater i'm sure you didn't sit yeah. elbow to elbow with them we did not we did probably not. had a few feet between you right so i think mm-hmm. in your situation you were probably safe And so I think that right now the general public not many people we've we've been trained over the last year and a half almost, you know Going on two years of of not going to a movie theater Mm -hmm. And finding our entertainment online or streaming or through some other service And so now that we've been weaned off of that for a good long time and then theaters are saying here's a great movie Oh, wait, 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 not yet. Not yet. You're just telling us it's not safe for us and we don't now now you're instilling this unnecessary fear of going to the theater which we just don't need you know theater owners certainly don't need that message that feeling or that vibe now sony moving up forward going striking while the iron is hot Mm -hmm. the you know yeah there's a delta variant but i mean and numbers are going up with covid but Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people who have been vaccinated and they can go to a theater uh, more safely than an unvaccinated person. So there is a, a smaller group of people that can go to that theater and see that movie and, and contribute that money. And we need that to snowball. And the only way to do it is with a little bit that grows. And you, so you got to have a movie worth seeing in the theater at that time. So I think pushing Top Gun back is it hurts theater goer uh, theater owners. Mm-hmm. And it, it gives us a reason to not go back in the theater because there's not a lot of options out there for good entertainment that we're really craving. And a big Tom Cruise movie would put butts in seats. It always he always does, you know.
0: To, it, but what's interesting I was, I was talking with, with somebody who works on the exhibition side of things, and they're making the comparison with what's going on with Shang Chi to the effect of this is this is like Avatar when that came out. And the very next 3D film that came through the door did half the business that the original Avatar did, did the James Cameron film. And that was Disney's Alice in Wonderland with Johnny Depp. And Mm. half the business was a billion dollars. So the notion is that you've just had *Chang chi in theaters and you have this marvelous Marvel movie that's ridiculously entertaining – and people have gone to the theater and had a great time, and it's like, oh god, I want to do that again. And so the thinking is, the very next Marvel-related film that arrives in theaters will be able to benefit from the goodwill that Shang Chi has got out there among moviegoers. Right. It's like you had a good time. Here's another one. Come right back. Right. So now, speaking of which, folks, when we get back, we are going to talk about Shang Chi and the, uh, the, the Legend of the Ten Rings, and I, I warn you, there will be spoilers.
2: Hi, I'm Wanda Maximoff. Now that I'm a zombie, my constant hunger for human flesh can sometimes keep me from a full and rewarding afterlife. That's why my husband Vision came up with this revolutionary new snack food. We call them Wanda Bites, made from 100% real Avengers. They not only satisfy my hunger for human flesh, but I feel like I am absorbing their powers too. Try our new flavors, Extra Crispy Glitch Barton Strips. <laughs> or our all-natural stock Naked Crisps. Kids love our colorful Gamma Green Hulk Hugs. But my favorite will always be the original flavor, Leg Up T'Challa. So don't let that constant hunger for human flesh keep you from having a full afterlife. Wanda bites are guaranteed fresh and made from 100% superhero. They're so good they can alter your reality.
0: Before we get to the in-depth look at shang Chi, Aaron, you want to say hello to somebody?
1: Yeah, I was uh, going to at the local grocery store to check out some food. I had my face mask on, my Spider-Man face mask. And uh, the lovely young lady on the other side of the counter with her face mask on was like, oh, are you excited for the new Spider-Man movie? And we ended up talking about the trailer for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then I told her I hosted MUD with, with mm-hmm. you. And uh, she listens. So we're going to oh. say hi to Sanaya. Hey, Sanaya. Hey, Sanaya. Hi, Thank hey. you so much for listening. Thank you for helping me with my groceries. You were a treat. Uh, we love you. And you get... 25 free Marvelous Disney cool points. Again, Marvelous Disney cool points have no value. You cannot trade them in for anything at all, but they do have a lot of bragging rights. So please brag to all of your friends about your shiny new 25, which is the most we've ever given out, by the way. Usually dole them out by like threes or something like that. You get 25 because we met face to face. That's wow. how cool it is. So there that, you go.
0: If, if we pile those up, that, that, that's almost as in high, isn't it?
1: You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because not only can you use Zendaya as a a, a measurement of time, but Mm -hmm. you can also use her as a measurement of uh, feet. Much like the Smoot Bridge, I am (laughs) 1.14 Zendaya's in length. Wow. Yeah.
0: Oh, so much useful information in one She show. is
1: a very versatile girl. She's an actress. She can I'm sure she can sing and dance. Uh, mm. She can be a unit of measurement for both time and distance. <laughs> Just an incredible woman. I don't know where she studied in college to get all of those degrees, but fascinating woman. Would love to have her on the show. Anyway, we're moving okay. on. Well, I heard the joke. <laughs> there we go. That's it. Okay. We Now we got to figure out how to land her. Okay.
0: And now, uh, before we get started on uh, Shang-Chi stuff, I I did want to share, because we've talked about this in the past, you know, to the effect of how do things end up where they do in the Marvel Universe? Why is Falcon and and the Winter Soldier, why was that a a Disney Plus project versus, again, Shang-Chi gets, you know, the giant screen treatment and... Marvel producer Jonathan Shores, in, in a recent interview with Sc- Screenrant, kind of laid it out and so explained that it's something we, we, we figured out together. What makes sense at Disney Plus, what makes sense for movies, what characters go where—we we figure it out as a group—and. He goes on to say that I think what's cool about Disney Plus is it gives it the opportunity to tell stories that are maybe outside of the norm of, of what we'd be able to do in movies that that want a different canvas, that have a, a different structure, that maybe get a little weirder and wilder than we, we would have typically done in the past when we go to the movies. And But he, he goes on to say that I think the movies now are, are able to do things that we may not have been able to do in the past because the shows have given us the confidence to do it. Everything wants to push the envelope more because the audience is is getting used to a different level of storytelling. Which brings us to Shang-Chi. And I will tell you, Aaron, from what you said about the trailer, about the crazy over-the-top martial arts sequences in this film, you're not wrong. There's at least three great set pieces. There's a, a battle on a bus. There's an amazing sequence up and down a framework that's been set up for construction next to a skyscraper. And then there's a high-speed drive through a forest that keeps moving. I mean, any film would kill for one of these set pieces, and and they've got three. Shang-Chi has the ridiculously strong production values we've come to expect from Marvel. And great storytelling, but it leans into telling an authentic, up-to-date, modern-day Asian story. And clearly that message got out to the audience, because there was this fascinating stat that came out about ticket sales for the opening weekend of Shang Chi. And typically, when a new Marvel movie it debuts in theaters, nine percent of the audience will be from the Asian community. In the case of Shang Chi, they doubled that. They eighteen percent of the audience that turned out for opening weekend, and Disney fully points to this is how they get their ninety-four million dollar box office total. But again, 18% of the tickets sold were to members of the Asian community who and then went out and ev- evangelized for this film. And Disney had really hoped this exact same thing would happen last year with Mulan, the, the live-action remake that they made. The heartbreak there is they were actually able to hold a premiere in Hollywood on March 9th, but then, of course, remember that the world basically shut down for COVID on March 13th, and... When Mulan was finally made it out to the world, it was as a Disney Plus premium access title that folks had to pay $29 to get to see it or or wait three months till it became available for free. But this is probably the most fun I've had in a Marvel movie since Endgame. And I'm almost reluctant to say fun associated with Endgame because some of the stuff that makes that movie great is how sad it it is. But Mm. Kevin Feige, in an interview with Collider, Sort of made a tie from Shang-Chi to Endgame. He said, We wanted there to be a reasonable amount of time from Endgame to start a new saga, which, by the way, at this point is already underway and already started. You need some time, just as we did with Phase 1, to build your saga before you start bringing everybody together. Have you heard about the mid-credit scene in this thing?
1: I have not heard about any of the scenes in this thing. I've seen what's in the trailers. I okay. saw that there was a critter, uh, is a, a <laughs> fluffy, a furry thing. Yes, I, yes. I Morris, no, <laughs> Morris, Morris, yes. Like it, Morris it, it, the
0: cat. It, well, it, yes, but Morris, I, I, for lack of a better term, Morris kind of looks like a brown, fluffy, as in plush, turkey with no face. In fact, Ben Kingsley's Trevor Slattery character comes back uh, about two-thirds of the way through and it turns out Trevor can communicate with this creature that only speaks gibberish, and he holds the key to getting them into the, the sacred village in the hidden forest. And Okay, so I'm again, ready
1: to pay you $10 right now just to hear the rest of this story, because this sounds fascinating. So we get Ben Kingsley back. So let's rewind just a little bit and go back to All Hail the King, because we did yes. have one of our listeners that wanted to shine a light on this real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the Marvel one-shot that came with... Iron Man 3, DVD, Blu-ray, et cetera. That's right. right? That's okay. right. It showed up February 2014. Okay. And so basically it was Sir Ben Kingsley now residing in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone knows that he's an actor and they're asking him to do the Mandarin voice because it's all spooky and he does it to you know win some some cred in the mm-hmm. big house. And then does uh, he get a phone call or someone comes in and tells him? That the, the, the real Mandarin doesn't like that he's been using his name? He's taking part in a documentary
0: that, that they bring in a journalist with a camera, and then things go south.
1: So is this where they abduct him and, and then bring him into uh, Shang-Chi? Is that how they got him out of the joint and, and yes, into this yes. movie? Okay, so that's great. Mm-hmm. That is just splendid for mm-hmm. Marvel to go back to what I thought they were going to disregard. Like, Inhumans, I don't think Marvel's ever gonna reference anything that ever happened on Inhumans. And I didn't think that they would go back and reference anything that ever happened in any of the Marvel one shots that they did. And I enjoyed all of them. It oh, was yeah. just that little bit extra, that little extra scene that, you, you know, didn't quite make it into the movie or whatever. It's its own standalone thing. And I thought they were just splendid. And I wish they did them for every single movie. And they just kind of died off after a little bit. And so I'm glad that they br- they're bringing them back and actually folding that back into the, the MCU proper.
0: No, no, no. I, I I agree. And but and speaking of which, that's one of the more intriguing moments. We travel at one point in the film to Macau, and we 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 discover a fight club, basically at the top of a skyscraper. And, but it's unlike any fight club you've ever ever seen before. Because what we see to set the sets the stage for a key fight in the film is it's Wong from Doctor Strange facing off against the Abomination from
1: the Incredible Hulk film. And Did they have anyone else in, in the ring doing fights in the background that you could pick out? Any other that characters I, that I was able to, but this is why
0: I I, I so rely on you and your in-depth knowledge okay. All right. you, you, with Marvel. you know, I, I have reflecting pool knowledge. I, I go a foot and a half. I'm sure, again, when, once you get to see this, because they do walk by a couple of glassed in rooms that you do get to see other characters fighting in. And I'm sure, again, with your
1: knowledge of the 5,000 plus characters, you would have, oh, that's Yeah, I figured if they were going to do like a tournament that you would see more than just, you know, two characters and then Abomination and Wong, you know, obviously Shang-Chi is going to be in it for, you know, but you usually have, you know, here's 10 characters. Now here's eight. Now here's six. Now here's the main two. Or whatever. Well, there was a wonderful beat after
0: the fight where it's Wong and the Abomination back in in the locker room, and they're receiving their purse after you know the fight, and basically Wong turns the Abomination. If the fight had gone the way we had practiced, and that's <laughs> half the fun of this film is there is so much comedy. That creeps in from the. I mean, first of all, again, any film with Aquafina is going to have, have laughs at, And by sure. the way, she's she's absolutely wonderful as Katie in I'm this kind
1: film. Of that her toy, uh, if you go and find her toy on the toy shelves, it just says, was it Marvel's Katie as yeah. her name on the box? Like, just give her a last name, please. It feels demeaning to the character.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens because she is. As the film ends, she and Shang-Chi are very much a team, very much working at the hip. In fact, speaking of Wong, we saw him depart with the Abomination by using a sling ring. And there's two scenes at bookend the film.
1: That, that. I want it to be Wong in the Abomination on a road trip buddy <laughs> comedy movie. Is that, is that, but, please tell me, please tell no, me, Jim, that's what no, happens. but, but we, we almost, <laughs> we almost get there. That, the Okay.
0: Film starts off with Katie and Sean, uh, the Shang-Chi character. Uh. They're out to dinner with a friend who's more successful, who's become a lawyer, you know, and in fact, references to the fact that it was... When half the universe went away, this woman decided that it's time to get serious, and she went off and got a career as a lawyer, and, and here are Sean and Katie working as valets, and that you both have degrees, you both you know, undergraduate from college. You should be making more of yourselves. And so, the movie ends with these two have basically saved the world, and they're back at the bar explaining this to their friends. Well, you know, said, we kept the gate shut, we kept the dark creature from getting through. And she's looking at them like, "All right, I get the last time we were here. You know, I made so little of your what your careers are, but why would you lie like this?" And it's at this right. moment. That behind them, we see the slingling ring circle form. And Wong stepped through into a busy restaurant and goes, Chang chi Chang <laughs> chi And it's like, <laughs> like it, 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 it sort of raises his hand reluctantly, like, come with me. So it's Aquafina and Samuel stepping through to head off onto their next adventure. and But turning to their friend, who you know, the, the very important, like, we'll call you. I'll be, I'll be in
1: touch. And by the way, lovely shirt. So, before we wrap up, I want to. This is just driving me nuts. Morris reminds me of one of those dogs with really long hair that covers their eyes so you can't see their eyes. It's what I thought of at first. Mm -hmm. It's just that the hair didn't stop growing and it just kept going down. But were there any other. I thought in the trailer there were like some other creatures that were very fantastical. Yes. Is there a large number
0: of that? Well, you you, you do drive. You do drive through a forest and you do see they come out from under a waterfall. And the very first thing they see, in fact, Ben Kingley's delivery with these are just wonderful. In fact, he looks up in the sky and there are these birds flying, but they're on fire. And so Ben Kingley, oh dear, that bird's on fire. And then <laughs> Morris gibbers and says, oh, it's supposed to look like that. Okay, got it. But there's lovely dragon-like horses. There are... The Chinese dragon dogs, in fact, what's lovely is they're just dropped in. They don't make a big deal of it. Right. This is such confident storytelling that the effect of, yeah, there's a, there's a dragon dog behind me. But again, there's a, there's a battle that's about to happen that,
1: that's with big, heavy consequences. All right. So, Jim, have you, have you ever heard of the Monkey King? Yes, yes, okay. yes. yes. Mm-hmm. A long long time ago, there was a movie that came out. It was The Monkey King and I saw the trailer for it and I my jaw hit the floor and I'm like, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. And I thought it was just fantasy, you know, like something that was just made up in the last 5 minutes. And then I watched the movie and I was telling friends about it and then I actually had a friend who was Chinese and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is like an old thing, you know, back home, it's just an old story." And I I didn't realize that that story Went back like a thousand years in Chinese culture. And so that part was just mind blowing for me there. So I just want to reach out to anyone that maybe like our Asian listeners, any of these creatures that were featured, even for just a quick second, send me a link point me in the direction about their culture and their history and their stories and their legends. Cause I would love to know more about like, you know, like the, the Chinese dog dragon thing or the birds on fire. I want to know those stories and where the legends come from. So hit me up on Twitter with a, a quick tweet about where it comes from at Aza I would love to know more about this as I'm watching it in the theater.
0: And again, because I don't want to spoil too much of this Aaron, we're not going to talk about who shows up in the mid credits, but we're going to talk about. Oh, come on, spill the
1: beans, old man.
0: Well, I, you know, it, it's it's. It, we were just talking about Jonathan Schwartz about you know they're rebuilding the team and who's going to be in the fifth Avengers. And what's interesting is again you have Wong opens the door. And Shang Chi and, and Katie go through, and in the mid credit scene, you see them examining the Ten Rings because what happened when Shang Chi used the Ten Rings in the finale of the film? It it activated a beacon, and and the so, beacon was
1: the Tesseract. Damn it! Well, Flaggy! see, you
0: know, that, this is this is where it gets intriguing. Okay, because Wong doesn't quite know what he's looking at, so he calls in a couple of experts, and and Mm -hmm. these experts are Captain Marvel and Mark Ruffalo. But what's kind of interesting is this is not Smart Hulk, the Hulk we saw at the end of Endgame. This is Mark Ruffalo once again playing Bruce Banner, in fact. But what's interesting is it's Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner wearing the very same sling that the Hulk wore. So clearly... Coming at the end of Endgame, but it's like so. What happened to Smart Hulk?
1: So uh, Brie Larson is as uh, Captain Marvel. Did she have a new costume, different costume, same haircut, different haircut, short hair, uh, or long hair,
0: short, shorter hair? Okay, uh, so similar ap- to
1: Endgame, did
0: appear to be the newest outfit. Again, remember we are. You know, we've got the Marvels coming in November of of 2022. So. Yeah, I'm wondering,
1: are they trying to tease the new outfit, or, or what do they got? Or they is this an in between outfit of the old old days? Again, it's it's a hologram, so you're you're oh, looking through her. Okay. And, and more right. to the
0: point, tail end of the movie, uh, got to go back again. But I don't need to explain to film fans what a MacGuffin is. Uh,
1: I like to have that with a little slice of ham and egg, a little hollandaise sauce on my MacGuffin.
0: A breakfast <laughs> MacGuffin. There we That's go. Right. All right. Yep. All right. No, well, in in Alfred Hitchcock used to describe the MacGuffin as the, the whatnot that drove the story, whether it was the the microfilm, you know, or the body of the wife that had been hidden in the trunk, whatever it was that drove the story forward. But here's the thing. We've seen just in the past year or so four different MacGuffins laid out. We have Shang-Chi, when he uses ten rings, it activates a beacon. In the Eternals trailer, we have them mentioning that when Tony Stark snapped his figures and restored half the galaxy, the, the sudden return of all that population provided the necessary energy for the emergence to begin. I brought that straight off of the trailer, folks. So that's yep. the language they use. Yep. Now, you know, we also have in Loki, the limited series, uh, we have the killing of He Who Remains, supposedly inciting the arrival of Kang the Conqueror. We know from the the teaser trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home that Doctor Strange erasing people's memories of Peter Parker somehow invokes the multiverse. And at the end of WandaVision, we saw the Scarlet Witch paging through the Dark Holt and and hearing the sounds of her her son's voices off.
1: It seems like there's a whole lot of people that are starting the multiverse all by themselves, but all at the (laughs) same time, coincidentally. It's it's almost like someone like uh, a Kevin Feige went, hey, guys, you know what? We're going to do a multiverse here coming up. And ev- and all the writers went, no shit. And then they started writing multiverse into their storylines. And all of a sudden, wham, bam, 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 four different multiverse things right after another. And you go, no, who started it? Was it Wanda looking for kids? Was it mm-hmm. Peter trying to get his life back? Was mm-hmm. it Doctor Strange and who knows what the heck's going on with the multiverse of madness, which actually has multiverse in the freaking title? Or... Was it Loki and his shenanigans across space and time with she-Loki? Shloki? Uh, Floki. Female Loki. Floki. (laughs) Shloki. Shloki. She's Jewish. (laughs) Shlomo. Okay, well. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. It almost, uh, I'm afraid to say, Mm -hmm. clutch the pearls here, too many MacGuffins.
0: Yeah, I mean, you threw out earlier in the show the Tesseract. And what was kind of intriguing is, first we had just the Tesseract. We just had that one thing, mm. which then led us to the Infinity Gauntlet. And I just feel like right now, there's a lot of stuff on the table. And Feige is like, you're right, folks, Phase 5 has started. We're assembling the teams right in front of you. So it's like, Well,
1: okay. I, I also think that, you know, there's so much... Heavy lifting that's going to need to be done over the next few years of storytelling, mm-hmm. because they would very much like to introduce Fantastic Four sometime. I, I think is is next, like the after we get through the the Eternals and the Shang Chis and the Spider Mans and the, like all the stuff that's currently needing a sequel: the Black Panther, the Doctor Strange, and the the Marvels sequels. Mm-hmm. At some point, we are going to end up with the inevitable team up movie of some variety, whether it be a, a, an Avengers or a different formation under a different banner title. Mm. Don't know yet. But alongside of that, like if you do ha- have a new Avengers, a young Avengers, whatever Avengers over here, what if you also have Fantastic Four come out in a similar timeline? And who's to say, like, why, why not have Galactus start his march towards Earth? So we can have that impending doom with Fantastic Four as a big thing to tie up and also Kang the Conqueror for Ant-Man. It could be because he is supposed to appear in Mm -hmm. Ant-Man, but, you know, he he could show up elsewhere down the timeline because that's how he rolls through time and space. Mm -hmm. So why not give us multiple huge, big, bad things all at once so we can have a lot more toys in the sandbox so we can pick and choose who's good for this moment we've got five to pick from what's the spike you know it's like a spice rack jim mm. i would rather have a spice rack with 100 spices than just salt and pepper it's mm. just because i like i like flavor right so if i feel like having some uh indian cuisine i grab for the masala okay. you know if, if so i i think yeah there's a lot of macguffins out there but as long as they're not all using them in the same movie As long as they're spacing them out, as long as they're going to be accentuation points, the exclamation marks, Mm kind of like that one episode of Seinfeld where Elaine lost a boyfriend because she used too many exclamation marks. And I would put (laughs) one here because my friend had a baby, and I think that warrants an exclamation mark. Too many exclamation marks, space them out a little bit. Yeah, if Marvel does that, I think we'll be fine. Okay. I don't think I, I,
0: I could say that any better. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd love to hear from you folks about which which of th- these MacGuffins do you think is going to be the Tesseract, for lack of a better term, the thing that starts our story moving forward, because they make such a big deal in the tale of this movie about, you know, when Shang-Chi uses the Ten Rings, it activates a beacon, and it's just sort of like... D- What's coming? D- Who's coming?
1: D- yeah. Did you b- happen to see in the Immortals trailer the, the giant red thing? On
0: the last show, you mentioned this, and out ahead of Shang-Chi, they ran every Disney and every Marvel-related trailer to, to, for things that are coming to the market.
1: And I bet that looked great on the big screen, it, didn't it? It
0: did. It did. And yes, the quick clip of the big, red-eyed, but multi-eyed being was like okay, what's that? But at the same time, it made me think. Uh, we were just talking about uh, Galacticus, and Galactus, and just sort of yeah, Galactus.
1: Yeah, it's it's it, get, it gets you. What's your appetite for? Oh, I can't wait to see Galactus. If this is what they're gonna be teasing us with with mm-hmm. the giant Sentinels, mm-hmm. then boy, yeah, I certainly can't wait for. I
0: I one little note of caution though. Okay,
1: all right. The one element that I
0: feel of Shang-Chi that did not work as well as it might. And I want to say the martial arts sequences were amazing. And and the battle of the village of Ta Lo was really well staged and and beautifully done. But the finale portion of this battle basically devolves into a kaiju fight. And you have Shang-Chi and his sister riding on the back of the good dragon and the creature that's come through the dark door.
1: Can Uh, I, wait a minute, hold on, they're riding on the back of a dragon? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can I swap out the soundtrack for the never-ending story (laughs) and get any satisfaction out of this moment at all?
0: I I don't think anybody gets shot in the throat in Never-ending story. I, it's been a while since I've seen it. You know the, the you know the swamps of despair. You know I. You know, but it's at that moment because of the giant scale of the characters mm-hmm. that it's it's the one part of the movie you can kind of pull yourself out from mm. because it's just sort of like all right, this is a lot of CG and these are actors. Every so often we cut back to the actors riding on the back of what clearly is a CG dragon it's different than the rest of the movie. It doesn't quite work as well. And I think part of it is the teeny tiny humans on the back of the, the giant dragon. And it, to bring us back to Galactus, right? Yeah.
1: Galactus. Yeah.
0: I've seen so many great pieces of art of that character over the years. And just the notion of, I want to see it done to that scale, but it's sure. just, you know, and I, I realize that, you know, we've seen the silver surfer at his, as his herald many times. and, in the comics, they're able to, to make the scale work. I just wonder for a film. In fact, wasn't that the reason with the second,
1: uh, yeah, Fantastic that they switch four? it to a cloud because they didn't want a five ta- mile tall dude that thought it would no, look silly? That's
0: it, exactly. The, yeah, the, but you know, see,
1: the, this is where because we've already had the head for nowhere mm-hmm. in yep. the Guardians of the Galaxy, so we've already seen like a, a giant floating head and, and mm-hmm. we've looked at it and it doesn't look stupid, like mm-hmm. we get it, you know, okay. and and then. They give us this glimpse here, and I hope that they show us more in the full Eternals movie with this Mm -hmm. giant thing. But this is their playtime where they get to figure out what works and what doesn't. Because if it doesn't work, that's okay, because it's not Galactus. They didn't Mm -hmm. screw up Galactus. They screwed up this other thing that was also giant and huge and also Mm -hmm. a 10-mile-tall thing with arms and legs that looked like Mm -hmm. humanoid. So I I think that this is their playtime where they get to figure out what works and what doesn't without ruining the actual Galactus as a name. But the other thing that, while you're talking about Shang-Chi and and Riding Dragons, because that is really stuck in my mind right now, is Mm -hmm. I really need Kevin Feige, I know that you listen to this podcast. I'm talking to you directly now. Kevin, I want you to get a scene with Mark Ruffalo. Now, I'm going to call back to the moment where Mark Ruffalo goes, so we got like an Ant-Man and a Spider-Man, and then what, the Avengers broke up like the Beatles? Like that kind of moment, right? I want Shang-Chi flying in with Katie on a freaking dragon, and I want to see Mark Ruffalo go. That will be a moment worth uh, the price of admission right there. Is Mark Ruffalo going, that dude just came in on a flippin' dragon.
0: That's what's kind of intriguing for me about the hint of the end scene with Wong bringing Katie and Chang chi in. As of right now, the only member of the original
1: Avengers that appears to be on the canvas is Mark Ruffalo. Well, I mean, obviously, we've got the other ones in the upcoming movies, mm-hmm. but, and, and, oh, by the way, while, while I've got Kevin Feige's here, because I know he's still listening. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we get done with Ant-Man, can we get a uh, Marvel uh, or a Disney Plus series with Ant-Man where it's kind of like Murder, She Wrote? You know, where she keeps going from town to town and and all of a sudden, whoa, there's a murder and she solves it because that's what she does. But he's he's got his little uh, security agency, right? It's like where he's got to break into places and and test their security. And it finds out, you know, that he was hired by the bad guy to steal the thing. And it was like, oh, it was a bait and switch. What? I didn't guess that. And he's got to undo his mistake. And it's kind of like Murder, She Wrote, where he's got to, you know, keep solving little mysteries along the way. I think that'd be a great little serial that could just go forever. Anyway, okay. no, I've, I've gone no, off track. I'm so sorry.
0: No, 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 no,
1: no, no. Kevin, remember that check will go to Aaron Adams. You get me sitting here next to the fireplace next to Kevin Feige <laughs> sipping hot cocoa. We just sit here and shoot the breeze. That's what we do. Now everyone realizes that all this been in my mind the whole time. <laughs> I am just crazy. I well, thought I was sitting here sipping cocoa with Kevin Feige having a chit-chat. Turns out it's a podcast. The whole world's listening. My bad. This is why we're going weekly, folks. Yep. <laughs> you know, you the gotta quality of the like there. Yep.
0: There we All go. Right. Speaking of which, it brings to the close our Garver's weekly edition of Marvelous Disney. And if you like what you're listening to here, we do have some other podcasts here at the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. We've got Disney Dish with Lentesta. We've got fine tuning with Drew Taylor. I'm gonna get a new Universal joint out the door with Dustin Fuse. If it kills me, they they're opening Universal Beijing and they've just started Halloween Horror Nights thirty in Orlando and it's a Crime that we haven't reported on either of those. Uh, folks, if you could do Aaron and I a favor, if you could head over to iTunes or, uh, excuse me, Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend the show you just listened to. And if you really, really, really like what you've listened to, you can always head over to Bandcamp and subscribe. At the same time, we, we do have some fun stuff we're doing on social media. In fact, Aaron, I've, I've really been enjoying the past week or so, you, you out there on social media.
1: We've turned into nature people. I've got shots of little uh, slow-mo yes! videos of my hummingbird. Now, the damnedest thing, I was sitting here uh, and, and my coffee was very, very sweet this morning. Mm. And mm-hmm. I heard a sonic boom go by the window. And I was like, what the hell was that? And then another little sonic boom went by the window. And I, I, I got up and I opened up the window. And it was the hummingbird just going left, right, left, right, left, right. Boom, 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 boom. And I realized I accidentally put my coffee in the hummingbird feeder. And I've been drinking the damn syrup. That's why it was so sweet. That's what the sonic booms was. She just... <laughs> she was humming Beethoven's fifth at 190 beats per minute. Holy cow. Well,
0: uh, on the other hand, uh, the turkey... Uh, that we put pictures up that mm-hmm. came up on our deck. They were here today. I'm sitting here working in front of a picture window and they th- were just staring in the window at like, Fat Man, we're out of corn. All right, we well, you c- come out here and replenish and don't make us come in there? So, yes, nature is wonderful. So, if anyone's looking to follow you on social media, Aaron, how do they do that? At Azaprod, A Z A P R O D. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram as Jim Hill Media. And over on Facebook as Jim Hill Media News. And that's going to do it for this week, folks. But uh, we will be back with a brand new show in just seven days' time. So hang in there.